Green Matters is sponsored by Gornless Gateway, big local. Peter Rush is on air now. now. Welcome to uh, a Green Matters special. Now, Our Earth Week is such an inspirational initiative for me. Community-based radio stations do some fantastic work locally in every community of the UK by a whole host of volunteers that love the work that they all do. What a great idea to get them together to deliver their messages on climate change locally to a national audience so that others around the country can benefit from everyone's experiences. Importantly, so will our Earth. Experiences, ideas, comments and actions that benefit our planet by us all hearing about them and then can be replicated around the whole of the UK to help in this extraordinary predicament that we all find ourselves in. I am so looking forward to being involved in this Radio First uh, Earth Week. And a few days ago, I spoke to Penny Southgate, who's the organiser and inspiration behind this initiative. Thanks for joining us on the line, Penny, because I know you're very busy. Uh, but just tell us a little bit about our Earth Week. Right, so it's um, it's essentially a, a sort of climate and nature themed week, where and it's for as many community stations, radio stations in the UK as want to get involved. Um, and the idea is that throughout the week, from Monday the twentieth of November at eight fifteen a.m. in the morning. Um, as many programmes as want to get involved will either highlight the climate crisis or celebrate nature in some way. And it will be big or small. Some shows will devote the entire show to the subject and other shows will just maybe dip in and perhaps play a song on the theme or maybe there'll be a quiz about wildlife or maybe they'll share a vegan recipe because ideally we should all be moving to eat less meat and move towards a more plant-based diet. So yeah, for, so for a week we'll be really trying to have as many conversations as we can because this is what it's about. We need to get people having conversations and talking about these things because it's so urgent now um, and we need to be taking action and so there's going to be lots of information about community projects and commu an action at this community level which is almost like a sort of Goldilocks zone in a way. Um, we've got a lovely message from somebody in the transition movement and they're saying there's, there's, there's a quote that we love in the transition movement um, and I don't know if I can remember it word for word but it's along the lines of if we act at a government level it'll be too late if we act at an individual level, it can be too little, but if we can act as communities, we might do just enough, just in time. So that's how I, and I feel community radio, we've got a huge part to play in this. Where did the idea come from to get all these community radio stations, of which there must be uh, near enough 70 now, uh, but to get them all together to get involved in uh, Earth Week? 
Um, well, I think it was just that la I'm, <laughs> my husband's always saying, you're always trying to up the ante. You've always got to up the ante. And I think in a way it's as simple as that. Um, I've been doing an environmental show and in the run up to the COP talks, because they were in Glasgow, it was a lot more close to home and every people, there was a lot more awareness about it last year. Um, and so I thought, right, we should be actually making a bigger deal of all this as a station. And so um, I asked the station managers if we could turn this into a week of, of sort of climate programming. And they gave it their blessing. Loads of programmes took part. Um, I ended up being able to produce two podcasts with sort of highlights from um, the programmes, compilations, both of them are about 45 minutes long. So there was lots of material, again, lots of conversations, not everybody on the same page, but that's the whole point of it. And um, I gave up doing One Love, One Planet. Somebody else is now looking after it and they're amazing. They're brilliant. Um, and I was sort of thinking about what to do next and how to kind of make progress on this. And one of my big frustrations is that the mainstream media don't talk about these issues nearly enough. Um, and so I thought, okay, our Earth Week, let's just not, it shouldn't just be BCFM. It just needs to be all the community stations doing it. So it just grew from there. Yeah, let me just say that BCFM is the Bristol community radio station. Uh, and uh, we've, we've got lots of community radio stations involved in this, or you've got lots. Uh, because, you see, I, I'm quite excited about that, Penny, because I, I, th I think we're filling a little bit of a, a void in our overall broadcasting communication. You know, we, we, we're all communities and we all have the same aim and getting us together, I, I think, is an absolute brilliant thing to do. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's not I anymore. This, that's the beauty of it. It is we. Um, and, you know, I think you said in one of our sort of meetings a few weeks ago, you said, I, I'm sort of excited by what's emerging from this. And I think that's that's the thing. It's not just the week itself. It's what will continue. It will be the legacy of that week, which I think is going to be really, really interesting. Um, and we as stations, I think, need to find a way to talk to each other and share material. And I think that will happen over the next year. And also what I think is really important, what I'm discovering, is that um, I think there's a whole layer of organisations that are national but also local so they have local branches so organizations like the world wildlife fund for nature the rspb the national trust um all those kind of organizations all the campaigning organizations they are very keen on what we're doing re really giving it their blessing and i think there's a natural meeting of our level of kind of media and those organisations. Um, so I think we could become a very powerful voice and force for change as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the void that we're filling is being left by some of the, the bigger players, such as the BBC, uh, such as a lot of local radio stations have, have disappeared um, you, you know the, the the global 
uh, institution, if you like. Yes, they're still going out as local stations, but they're not they're not as local as they used to be. And I think that's that's really important. So, how how are plans progressing, Penny? Um, it's going really well. I mean, for quite a while, I wasn't sure how much real interest there was in this because I didn't realise that when you share material, there are two different ways of doing it. And one way you do it, you can see when people have tried to gain access to the material, the resources that I've been um, gathering together for stations to use. Um, but there was another setting for a whole load of people that won't show me if they've been gaining access to it. So I thought only a few people had been looking at the material and I discovered only yesterday actually that people have been looking at it and I just didn't know because and I won't know which is really fantastic. I'm really excited by that. The the daily Our Earth challenge um, where you're encouraged to, to make one take one action per day um, I, uh, I've heard from the guy who is developing uh, this app called My Climate App. Um, the challenge is going to be ready next week, so that will be up and running. And this is a new app. It's still in development. It looks great. Um, and so what we'll be able to do is, is help them in their, their sort of attempts to get this off the ground. If we, if we, do this challenge on the app and you don't have to you don't have to have the app but if you do you know we'll be able to help this thing get off the ground which is great we're having a logo designed by a graphic designer who does great stuff and i'm just working with him at d doing that at the moment there's a live event in cardiff on the wednesday during the week there are all sorts of things going on. It's fantastic. It's great. It's absolutely. See, I'm I'm really excited about it because for me, this is just the start. So, so we're we're not going to get everything right right from the 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 the, the off now. But we're we're all, in my eyes, learning about this and the fact that we're sharing information from our local communities to tell our local communities is 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 for me well, well it's a first isn't it Let, let's face it th this has never happened before i i believe it is a first i don't know of any other time when stations have come together in this way and I, I i don't think people realize that all us community stations well the majority of community stations also go out on the internet again ever upping the ante i had a message from somebody in australia on twitter <laughs> who that who put, who shared it with their contacts wherever they are based and said we should be doing this in australia and i thought oh, okay here we go yeah it, it, it would be great to um, to, to make it go go global but also it would be really good to reach out to more stations in the UK um, if all of the stations involved just reach out themselves to one or two stations that will double and triple the number of stations I know you're busy Penny and I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you go in a second but do you think that this initiative is going to make an effect on on what we need to, to change with climate change? Uh, yes, in the short answer, yes. I think it's absolutely vital part of it. Um, 
and it, it goes back to what I was talking to you earlier about I genuinely think that our communities are a kind of Goldilocks zone for action. I think change at the level of cities is really, really important because governments are so very, very slow. But cities can have quite a powerful impact when they make changes. Um, and community radio can help to push that along faster. And we can, if we can generate something that is bigger than us, then we can be sharing information with each other, not reinventing the wheel. Um, and yeah, just making everything move a bit faster. And definitely, it will definitely have an impact, I believe. Yeah. Penny Southgate, instigator, I, I, I might say, of Our Earth Week. Thank you very much for joining us here on Our Earth Week. My pleasure, Peter. Thanks very much. Green Matters is sponsored by Gornless Gateway. Big local. Peter Rush is on air now. now. I'm at Bishop Auckland Baptist Church uh, with uh, Daniel Rutland. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Peter. Nice to be here. Just give us a little bit of background about what you've been doing with the Green Fair. Um, yeah, well, um, it's not just me by any stretch, so there's been a, a group of us involved in this, including your, your good self, um, who have been, um, yeah, well, concerned about what's obviously about climate change, about um, all, the, all the ecological crises that we seem to be facing, um, and have just thought, what can we do um, that might make a difference? Um, and really what we've been trying to do is just especially in our town here, to get a conversation about it going because we feel that's that's where it starts, you know, from the bottom up. Um, we all need to be talking about this. Um, so we've we've organised this Green Fair, as you know, for two years running now. And we had uh, this year's one in, in uh, June. And, uh, yeah, we had all sorts of different things going on, uh, stalls representing all kinds of local groups, talking about um, what they're doing on the ground, really, um, in terms of dealing with... Um, food waste or gardening for wildlife or all sorts of things um and plus some fun stuff with uh, uh some like a smoothie bike where somebody was pedaling a bike to make smoothies out of um of, uh, fruit and, and very very nice they were too as well too, yeah um so we had lots of good stuff going on we had lots of young people involved this time which was really good um just uh talking about what matters to them um, and they uh, one one or two of the young people were a part of that panel that you uh, organised at the end of the day which was really good I think where everybody was different speakers that we'd had and, and including these young folk um, were kind of asked a series of questions and and just gave some really good good ideas good advice um, and it gave us a bit of hope really of, of what we can all do I just wanted to ask Daniel what was your personal favourite I thought some of the um, the sort of practical workshops that were going on, I thought were really, really good. Um, I, I was a bit, you know, obviously I was kind of rushing around like a mad thing, so I didn't really get to participate as much as I'd like to. But but it was just great to see um, uh, the lady um, Diane who came and did did a load of fabric upcycling with people and the little bees out of the yeah. pegs. Yes, yeah, there was just so much um, good, good sort of practical hands-on stuff, and that's what I really like to see. I think. Don't you find, Daniel, that the youngsters are much more switched on about the, the climate and, and, and what needs to be done 
But what, what, why do you think that is? Is it the information that's about it? Have we helped in that? Um, well, I mean, I think all, all sort of efforts like our Green Fair and everything that we've, we've been sort of rolling out to, to get to get ideas and, and information out there it, everything helps um, I do think schools have got a lot more switched on you know people are children are now learning about climate change and stuff um, I suppose my big fear is that you know what can they do with that information you know that yeah. I, I went to speak to a group of young um, cubs recently um, and they, they just poured out all the stuff that they knew and, and I mean they, these were like six eight years old i don't know um they knew so much um, and i just thought my goodness how do you process all that you know now as, as you said earlier you're part of the team uh with the green fairs the the, the couple that have been held in the last couple of years but there was an interesting thing that happened at the last meeting about about the name we basically um <laughs> pinched your t pinched your name peter um and uh, we thought that was such a great name that we've decided to rename the whole uh, group green matters well uh, green matters and that's that was your you know why 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 you chose that name i think um absolutely, absolutely does yes um and but but also because we want to reflect that we're maybe starting to look on a slightly broader um, spectrum of, of ideas around how we engage our local community I think um, so while we have had this green fair um, we're sort of feeling that just putting on another big event once a year is not necessarily the best best way we can sort of use our energies we're all volunteers we don't you know we're not paid to do this we haven't got huge amounts of time so we want to to use what we've got in the best possible way um, to make a difference and I think what we're looking at is probably some a series of probably smaller um, activities and, and events um, that maybe give us an opportunity to engage a wider group of people um, and, and I think to do so in a, in a bit more depth so we're actually getting to know people um, having time to really have meaningful conversations and you know perhaps do some practical um, work or activities um, I think a green fair is wonderful for the buzz and the, and the vibe that it creates but obviously it's it's very intense you've got sort of four hours to pack everything into a lot of people come through the door um, you know and you hope people go away with something and I'm sure everyone does but but you know there's not a lot of opportunity to really have those those um, deeper conversations so is that how you see if you like the next 12 months going with uh, green matters that's not the radio program uh, but that's that's the group. Yes. Um, yes. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, um, we are a, we are a group, and um, we've just just sort of had one or two meetings since the uh, since the green fair. Um, uh, the last one we chose that that new name, and various ideas were put forward. Um, but we'll have to you know meet up and talk about them. I think the what came out of it was was a sense that we want to kind of do things seasonally a bit to help us kind of get a bit more into the rhythm of seasons and then that's part of reconnecting with nature and um, is, to, is to understand that we live in a, a cycle of seasons um, and you know there are things that we can do seasonally at different times of year that will maybe give us a focus um, we do very much hope to be working with and engaging young people still I think that's really important um, and generally partnering with other local groups I think rather than us trying to do everything and put put on a big a big show I think it's much more important that we work with other groups really and encourage and support them to do things yes so so look at the thing more holistically within the community and look at educating 
and assisting with various projects at various times of the year. Exactly, yeah, that's, that's it in a nutshell, and that holistic thing is really important, isn't it? I think one of the things that you said, uh, I remember it very well, that you said um, a while ago, really, is that it's all about giving people the tools and educating people in what they can do to assist rather than preaching yeah. to them. Definitely, yes. I think um, overloading people with a whole load of impossible kind of facts and science and stuff, just well, I think we've all learnt, you know, in recent years that that doesn't seem to actually really make much difference. In fact, it's more likely to just make people depressed and, and feel disempowered. So we have to come a bit more from the angle of... I mean, we need to educate people and tell them what's, what's what, and we don't want to pull, you know, we don't want to hide the truth from people but but we do want to show people that there is something we can all do yeah because it it, it is a very positive thing that we're all doing isn't it that's that, uh, that that's how i look at it certainly this initiative for our earth week to me i see it very positive that people throughout the uk are pulling together and we can each contribute to to that and and say our own pieces in order to in order to inspire other people with what they're doing and what they can do absolutely pc i couldn't put it better really um and i think what you're doing with earth week and that is it really is very positive um it's a bit you know it's sowing seeds isn't it you're, you're putting it out there um and uh, those little seeds will hopefully germinate and, and people will pick up some little thing and go, oh, yes, I could do that, or, oh, I hadn't thought of that, or, you know, and just take that away, talk about it in their family or at their school, and, you know, these, this is how things change, isn't it? it, it it's that kind of grassroots um, sharing of, of hope and positivity and ideas and inspiration that you're, you're talking about, yes. I had uh, a brilliant conversation, uh, as you hear there, with uh, Daniel Rutland, uh, who's uh, main instigator of uh, Green Matters, uh, used to be called the Green Fair, of course. And uh, we'll be back with Daniel uh, in a little while. We'll be talking to him at the Baptist Church uh, and also uh, towards the end of the hour, uh, talking to Daniel uh, about all things compost. Uh, so uh, lots more to come uh, on uh, Green Matters uh, today. Uh, but again, a few days ago, uh, I uh, went across to uh, Believe Housing and uh, I spoke to uh, Ruth Dent about their uh, future housing policies. I'm at uh, Coast House, uh, Believe Housing's uh, head office in Seaham, and I'm very pleased to welcome Ruth Dent, who's Director of Assets and Compliance. And as it says here, who's responsible for our environmental strategy. Ruth, thank you uh, for joining us and welcome to our Earth Week. Thank you so much, I'm delighted to be here. So tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, all about the environmental strategy of Believe Housing. So we introduced a green plan around about two years ago, which is how that we will take our business to 2050 carbon neutrality. It's so important to us, not just around meeting those targets, but actually, you know, feeding into what we can do to support the planet. Every single person has their part to play. 
we are one of the largest landlords within the northeast and we think as such we have a really big part to play in making sure that we do what we can for the environment i've looked on the the website uh, for believe housing and you've got some uh, fantastic values tell us a little bit about the work that believe does we do all sorts of work um in terms of you know meeting that that uh, that sort of carbon neutrality and our green agenda we do all sorts of work we have upgraded our homes to meet efficiency standards we've made them warmer feel more comfortable and um, we've made them cheaper to run so they don't cost our customers as much in terms of their gas and electric we also have a fleet of vehicles that belong to our repairs operatives we've committed to 10% of those being electric vehicles and increasing that year on year. We look at our recyclability, what materials we use, how well they can be recycled and we've also got other projects going on around the business such as one of the projects that was identified as our innovation festival was taking furniture that our customers may no longer need or use, recycling it, refurbishing it um, and giving it to those in need, so back into the community, to people who may not be able to afford to buy new piece, bits and pieces. And that's been a real success and supported by all of our staff from across the business and, and people are using their volunteer days and, and helping out and even donating some of their own belongings to, to make sure they go back to a good use. I can see you've put an awful lot of thought into this. What, what's one of your best achievements in your role? I think... Um, being one of the first housing associations or the first housing association to achieve carbon neutrality through the um, UN International NOW standards, that was a huge, huge achievement for us. To be able to stand behind that and say we have become a carbon neutral organisation in terms of our business operations was, was great and it demonstrated to everybody who works here and hopefully to our customers as well that we really mean business with this. You know, we really, really want to do those things that make a difference and make sure that we are reporting this in the right manner and using the right criteria to be able to demonstrate the value of what we're doing. What are your customers' thoughts about all you're doing to help them? I can only speak for, obviously, the work that goes on in their properties because that's, that's the feedback that I would mainly get. Um, they are absolutely over the moon. Um, we are out and about with customers all the time. I get myself out and meet our customers. It makes real difference to real people's lives. We've been out with customers who are telling us that um, their arthritis is reduced because they're not living in a cold home. We've got customers telling us that their children are feeling better when they come home from school. You know, We've got customers telling us that they now feel, having had some home investment, that they are able to have the family round or host a Christmas dinner. Um, it does make a huge, huge difference. So the feedback that we've had from our customers has been wonderful so far. And it, it demonstrates again, we're not just ticking those numbers. We're not, we're not just doing it to meet those government targets. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do and it really makes a difference. Ruth, tell us about one of your biggest projects within your working area. So um, we were really, really lucky last year and um, we were awarded £3.4 million worth of government funding from the Social Housing Decarb Fund. We matched that with £1.7 million of our own money and that meant that we were able to undertake energy efficiency measures in our customers' homes to 1,186 properties and that was an absolutely huge delivery scheme 
um, and one of the biggest in the country actually which for you know a medium-sized Durham-based organisation is really really good going we worked with a partner um, to deliver that and we're able to deliver it with 100% local labour so if you think about the difference that it's making in customers homes fabulous but also the people that are working on our schemes live in and around our estates they're actually invested in how it feels to live there and the improvements that we can make there um, and what's more is it also reduces our carbon footprint because we're not traveling as many miles or or doing those kind of things so it really was a win-win-win um, great levels of customer satisfaction great outcomes um, and we really look forward to delivering wave two so we've had yet another round of successful bidding and now we thought well if we can do it once we can do it again and we're going in for 2022 homes um, throughout the course of this year and the following year as well your ambitions are really helping you with funding they are they are and also the fact that we've demonstrated that we can deliver um, we've demonstrated that we can achieve the numbers um, listeners will have probably seen there was a lot of projects that were running over there were people waiting long times thankfully not our customers you know, we, we worked really hard with our contracting partner and we were able to get in we were able to work with our customers we provided lots of information we offered a really personalized approach and that worked out really well for us so yes our successes have led to more successes which is wonderful that's absolutely great and and you say uh, the the customer feedback has been fantastic give us some examples of what people have said about the projects customers have obviously told us that the houses feel warmer they've told us that the work was done really quickly um, I think I think we had a, a gorgeous customer statement around, you know, why would you not? If somebody's going to come in and make your home warmer, greener and cheaper to run, why would you not? Do you think this work has helped with community spirit? I think it has. Um, I think you know, we try to get our customers together, so we try to do um, coffee mornings to explain what's going to happen. Um, I will say we moved at quite a fast pace last year. So if you can think about how many homes, we were we were kind of touching 40 homes a week at some point. It's a lot of customer touch points, but again, that personal service really came into play. And alongside that project, we have lots and lots of other things going on, I believe. So we have community grants, we have um, you know lots of support for our local hubs and centres, we support groups, we work with local schools. So in all walks, we are trying to be part of that community. You, you've got, I'm, I'm a right in, in saying you've got around about 18,000 homes that you look after. So it, it's it's a, a long-term project to get all those homes uh, rated. Uh, ha, have you got a plan to do this over time? What what sort of time is it going to take you to do to do this? We do, uh, and you're absolutely right to point it out. It is a big challenge that's ahead of us. We are ahead so far. So, you know, we, we are doing more than we plan to deliver at the moment, which is great. And the funding from the government absolutely means that we can deliver on those plans quicker. But aside from just doing the things to meet government targets, we also do lots of other works in customers homes to make them more energy efficient. Every new roof that we fit now has solar PV on it. Every time we go into somebody's property to undertake works, we make sure that the loft is topped up to maximum depth. We have increased ventilation. We are looking to take out old inefficient gas cookers, replace them with new electric ones so that 
when that changeover comes and gas is no longer a feasible option, we won't have to go back and disrupt our customers again. So making sure that green principles are part of everything that we do is, is at the forefront of what we're doing. So it isn't just around that sort of single energy efficiency scheme. It's part of absolutely everything we do within delivering works to our customers' homes. And looking to the future, Ruth, are you looking to replace your customers' boilers when, when, when gas becomes, shall we say, more obsolete uh, at, at some time in the future? We will. Um, we will recognise that that is a big step change for a lot of our customers. Uh, moving on to low carbon forms of heating, certainly in their current form, feels very different. The most important thing to us at the moment is making sure that the insulation levels within homes is correct. Without that, customers may find that electric heating would cost them more than a traditional gas boiler. So that's our step one and that's where we're heading. There will come a time where gas boilers, you're right, do become obsolete. And I think it's important that we keep on talking to our customers about what that will look like for them in the future and how it will work. But more so, you know, the importance of the work that we're doing now to make sure that the home is kept warm, that the heat stays in. So when that change comes along, it won't feel any different. So it, it, it sounds like that you've got your work cut out really, Ruth. We do. Um, there's a lot to do. Uh, there's, I don't think there's ever been a more challenging time to work in, in the, certainly the, the directorate that I work in at the moment. There's a lot of challenges ahead of us. A lot of things changing quite quickly. Um, and again, listeners will no doubt be aware that the government backtracked on a couple of uh, targets for the private rented sector. We sort of sit and wait with bated breath as to whether the same will be true for what, what we do You know, in terms of our targets. But I think as Believe, we have a mission, we have values, we know which direction we're heading in, um, and our path is very clear in front of us, and it is just about doing that right thing. Just tell us a little bit about the uh, community grants scheme. So we have a community grant scheme, and um, we have uh, nearly a quarter of a million pounds awarded to not-for-profit organisations and groups last year. One of the key themes that we have around that is a greener, fairer future. So that means by reducing, reusing or recycling. And we've supported projects like community gardens, food recycling or a redistribution centre. And, and it's not just around the, the grants that we offer. Obviously, we have lots that we do within our business as well. So um, we've planted over 500 trees for Earth Day, a, a tree for each employee. Um, which was a lovely thing to Fantastic. do. We've worked with schools, we've donated nature arcs, which are absolutely gorgeous little habitats where there's space for amphibians, small mammals, um, wildflowers that attract pollinators. And we spend those times with the schools as well, talking to them about nature. We've um, done Christmas tree planting with nurseries where we've taken Christmas trees in and children have been able to pot them, understand how they grow, understand what they need to survive. Um, and I think that's been really, really wonderful to have young people learning about the impacts that they have on the environment. And, you know, hopefully lots of young people out there supporting uh, this week as well. Do you think young people are more switched on these days about saving the planet and biodiversity and, and all the stuff that we've been talking about? I like to think so, yes. I mean, I have a, I have a young daughter. Uh, she is certainly very invested in saving the tigers, and I think it is becoming much more common language. 
Unfortunately, we will all know that what is being flagged now was being flagged 30 years ago, and I think yes. what young people are starting to see is actually there is no no action anymore. There needs to be a step change, and it needs to be a step change very, very quickly. So my little girl will make sure I wash the yoghurt pots out, and um, and I'm sure I'm not the only parent out there who has that um, peering over their shoulder, making sure I'm doing it properly. Well, it's nice to hear that she's keeping you on your toes. Absolutely. Ruth. absolutely. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, now, I, I know you haven't got a lot of time, uh, but finally, I'd like to ask you about Believe Housing's future home strategy. Tell us a little bit about that. It, it's been a fabulous piece of work, and again, you know, delivered across the organisation into what do we need for our homes from the future. And it's really about making incremental changes to the way homes are designed, constructed and powered. So from this year onwards, we no longer specify any gas boilers or any fossil fuel systems. We are reducing our carbon emissions of all new homes by at least 31%, which is, is really big. Um, we've improved the building materials and the insulation standards. We are installing renewable energy solutions, battery storage, wherever possible. So lots and lots of things going on within homes. But when you use the word future, you have to be thinking about what's coming next. So every home has an EV charging point. We're installing smart technology and the very latest standards in water efficiency. So we're really making sure that our homes are going to last the test of time um, and be, be right there and meeting those future standards. Uh, can I thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us here uh, for our Earth Week. Um, Ruth Dent, Director of Assets and Compliance, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Now, we're at Bishop Auckland Baptist Church, uh, and I'm with Daniel Rutland, um, who is, I suppose, one of the main organisers of uh, Green Matters now uh, and the, the Green Fair... Uh, before of that uh, but Daniel just tell us a little bit about what happens here at the Baptist Church because it's a great community centre isn't it? It is it's a kind of um, a little hub for the local area um, it's very informal but um, we have a wonderful group of folk who come quite regularly really it's it's a sort of a place where people can just come and be themselves and gather and um, find some company a lot of the time um, that's a lot of what it's about um, beyond that it's obviously a warm space particularly as we go into the winter it's a kind of warm safe space um, where people know they're not going to be judged or anything they can just come as they are it's it's also a place where you can come and get some food um, so we have a wonderful uh, cook called Nancy who's uh, busy cooking something up at the moment and she uses mostly food that would otherwise be going to waste so we get stuff from supermarkets that's going out of date um, and that's made into a lovely meal for people to um, to take to um, either take away or to eat here. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about was food distribution because there's a couple of tables here at the Baptist Church uh, with with lots of of sort of food, tin stuff, fresh food, uh, anything that you can really name. Uh, so tell us about that. Yeah, so again, um, 
we, we get food donated from all sorts of um, directions, mostly I would say from supermarkets. Um, there's quite a variety of different supermarkets that uh, give us things that are going out of date, but, but also people sometimes just bring in food, so I've got this going spare, or um, a person who has an allotment brings in their sort of extra vegetables, whatever it might be. Um, so we've got quite a, a lot of different things. Um, and obviously we use what we can in the kitchen. And as I was coming in, Daniel... Um, I, I met with the team of volunteers that are going out litter picking because uh, teams from the church here actually go out in the local area, uh, pick up uh, pick up litter. Yes, again, we've got, um, and it's not necessarily um, directly connected with the church, but this is this is a sort of a hub, so people will come on a Wednesday and. Um, We'll, we'll meet up here and then go out, as you say, um, litter picking. Um, they do a great job making the, the town around here look a lot better. Yeah, some, some great community activities. Now, Daniel, I wanted to ask you, coming back to the Green Fair this year, uh, you actually took a, a group of people out foraging. Now, I, I didn't realise that you could do that uh, until you did in an urban environment. So so tell us a little bit about what you did and the reaction of people. We, we just literally walked around the local area and including some of the other public buildings nearby. There's another church over the road, there's a hospital down the way, um, most of which have little garden areas, um, green space. Um, and we just uh, looked at what what there was there that people could actually eat. And uh, but yeah, there were a few surprises for folk, you know, <laughs> things that you can eat. Um, and there is a lot actually. I mean, urban environments can sometimes be some of the best, actually. Funnily enough, because we have kind of overgrown areas and and things that are not, um, you know, nicely being managed um, in the way that sort of a a farmer's field might be, you know, where everything's being stripped back to grow crops and then sprayed with chemicals. Um, we do have areas in in, um, in in town which, you know, actually are great for foraging. I'll look at nettles differently now. I wanted to talk to you about the Baptist Church here in Bishop Auckland because I know that you volunteer quite a lot of your time uh, with the, the gardens around the church... Um, so just just tell us a little bit about your work here uh, in the church and and what you grow in the gardens. Yeah, we, we haven't got a massive garden, but it's it's big enough to um, to make a, a sort of nice friendly space that, that sort of people pass through as they come into the church, and hopefully sometimes stop in and, and enjoy you know um, and we do leave the gate always open people can come and sit in here at any point. Um, it's my particular passion, and I suppose that's what I contribute. Um, other people are running around collecting food orders and cooking and I tend to be out in the garden a bit more. We, we grow some food that, that people can eat as well here. Herbs and uh, some fruit and things through the year. A few, we grow a few vegetables in car tyres and old boxes and, you know, just uh, nothing fancy but um, we want to show people that it is possible to, to grow a little bit of food um, almost anywhere with, with very limited resources. And also you have a compost heap out in the garden um so I, I know you want to go through and and show me that so uh, i think what we'll do is we'll go out into the garden now and you can show us that daniel absolutely yes compost heaps my pride and joy so i'm very happy to show you that peter rush is on air now now green matters is sponsored by gornless gateway big local
So, uh, we've just moved outside uh, here at the uh, Baptist Church uh, in Bishop Auckland, uh, and I'm with Daniel Rutland, who's uh, showing me his compost heap. So, uh, t tell us a little bit about the process here, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome welcome to the compost area. and It's just tucked around the corner of the church where people probably wouldn't notice it. Um, uh, which is part of the uh, the idea. We don't want to sort of um, get people greeted by a whole pile of compost when they come in, but but it, it's an important part of what we do, and we do like to show it to people, so thank you for coming to have a look. Essentially, we've got a very simple creation here that we've knocked up ourselves out of a few old pallets and bits of wood. Um, it's a sort of a three bays that um, are separated by, um, by bits of pallet and stuff. Um, and we just basically uh, pile all the fresh stuff on one end, and we gradually move it along, so... Um, I'm actually in the process of doing that right now. Um, the, the end bay, you can come and have a quick look here. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's ha let's have a look at this. It's uh, it's actually covered up. So yeah. you you've obviously got a bit of a, a worm culture going on here <laughs> yeah, we've as got well. A lot of worms here. Um, so this is where we put all the fresh stuff, and uh, and then it obviously fills up gradually um it's amazing how it does go down each week as it as the as that rotting process sets in but obviously eventually you're going to fill up so this is pretty full now so what i'm going to do is move it over into the next bay so, along so so what are the 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 fresh items in there you've got some twigs you've got some cuttings from uh, fresh uh, vegetables yeah. and uh, what what else is in there have a, have a look at this bin over here because you can see where um where we collect stuff up. Oh, I see. So this so, is um, this is what gets left um, round with the other bins, that, where people can access it more easily from the kitchen. Um, so a lot of, of stuff that's really gone too far. <laughs> Obviously, we're, what we're trying to do is use as much as we possibly can in the kitchen or hand it out to people, but there comes a point where things have gone a bit too far. Um, or obviously things have been used, but there's got a bit of leftovers like these uh, carrot peelings or um, potato peelings or whatever. Um, we've had bunches of flowers donations, which have gone a bit too far over. Um, I've even put in bits of cardboard, um, you know, used paper towels here. It all it all rots down. Anything basically that's that started out as a plant can end up back in the compost. You'll see that a lot of things come wrapped in plastic these days. So uh, people will just chuck that in the bin and it'll be left to me to uh, pull that plastic off. When I come to dig out that compost, I'll, I'll find all these little bits of plastic and you can see a little pile here that have... <laughs> I've just uh, oh, pulled, pulled out of the compost heap, and you can see they look as good as the day they went in. Sweet wrapper, yes. You know, so so that, that's probably been in the compost yeah. heap for, for six months or well, more. More like a year, I would have thought. Um, doesn't look any different to the day it went in. Um, so here we are, we've created this amazing material that will last forever, and we use it once. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's a constant lesson to me, this, this whole thing. And you can look at... Um, various things here i mean you know we, we feel the need to put a sticker Mables, on something stickers, that one says barcodes. red grapefruit you know that's been stuck on a grapefruit to help us know that it's a grapefruit <laughs> i mean <laughs> is that necessary um we've got a lovely wipe here you know which you think oh that's just uh, biodegradable but clearly it's not it's been sitting in the compost so it must be made of plastic all sorts of things that i just uh, constantly pulling out of the compost um and it just yeah it makes me um it just makes me reflect on on the amount of stuff that we we don't really need 
to be using but we are using and which creates a problem and obviously we're very lucky that people here we can throw things in the bin and the council will just take it away um, for us but in many parts of the world there isn't that provision you know and so much especially plastic waste ends up in rivers ends up in the sea um, causes flooding because it blocks rivers um, people burn it which causes um, fumes that are bad for your health um, it's, it's just a thing we have to be addressing so so what what do you do you you obviously aerate that yes and put put more on but there's yeah. there's a point at which that matter in that first bin is moved to the second bin yeah so that's what i'm going to do today hopefully um, is move all this lot it's, it's all happening it's all working but as you say it's pretty well full up so i'm going to move it over we'll pile it all into this second bin which i've just emptied um and it, we'll just cover it and we'll pretty much leave that now for really through the winter probably actually for a good six months or so um and i'll turn it occasionally just to get a bit of air into it because obviously the bacteria and the worms everything need the the air as long as it stays moist and, and it has air in it it'll just keep on working its way through and eventually after um probably the whole process you know from the moment you chuck it on this first bin through to when we actually are able to use it you know in, in a compost heap like this which isn't an enormous thing um generally it's going to take a good you know good few months and ideally a year or so really to break it down properly um, and after that we'll have we'll end up with this that you can see on the final bay there that i've just moved um yeah you've moved you've moved that out of the the second yeah, bay and, so, and so how, how long has that been in there well uh, yeah probably that i did probably move it last about six months ago i think um i i piled the first bay into that second bay and just left it and it's been yes probably getting on for six months um that that's then been finishing off and, and left us with this wonderful end product that you can see now in the final bay that I've moved right across, ready to be used. Um, well, in, in my eyes, Daniel, it's it's just soil. <laughs> it, it, it is no. it is soil. That's, that's exactly what it is. Um, but it's not just soil. It's, it's actually incredibly rich, nutrient-rich soil. Um, and, um, I mean, I, c I can tell that just by looking at it as a gardener. It, is, it, yeah. it has that sort of dark brown, moist, um, crumbly look about it that tells me that's really really good soil and and that's it's, it's a soil conditioner in a way because um you know that's it's almost too rich for, for most purposes but what i can do is dig that in to um to our beds where we're growing other things or put it into tubs where we're, we're growing vegetables um to add to, to what we've got already and and that will just introduce lots and lots of really good um nutrients that the plants can take up to help them become stronger and, and healthier um it, it also holds water incredibly well um it's it's like a sort of a sponge but it but it, at the same time allows for some drainage because of its crumbly texture um it's just wonderful stuff it, it improves improves the soil and that's that's nature's trick you know is to keep on plant matter just keeps on producing more and at the, at the end of the year it, it, it it'll drop out the trees and whatever and nature will turn that into fresh stuff to, to to grow in next year so you know we're just taking part in that natural process so 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 yeah I, I mean i can see a handful of that i mean it's obviously working because your garden uh this year with flowers was superb and and you've grown some great vegetables here so so it, it it really just goes back into the system doesn't it it does it's a, it's a sort of a closed loop thing which is what we're aiming for so we're not wasting anything essentially we're always trying to to um, avoid waste wherever we can um and that's you know we were talking earlier about getting the um 
the food donated from supermarkets and stuff so anything that anything that we can't use for, you know give away whatever use give we will do any, everything we can to make sure we use it but if, if it comes to a point where we can't we want to put it into this system here and um, yeah if you look at that handful of soil that i've got there it's it's lovely crumbly fresh stuff um and i'm told this is a piece of amazing um information but but one handful of that contains more living organisms than than all the human beings that have ever lived on planet earth um just all the little tiny tiny microscopic creatures in that handful of soil um you know so this is an ecosystem it's it's a community it's not just a, a pile of of soil it is actually a living thing and, and that's constant amazing so so it's a community within the community <laughs> absolutely what it is yeah um we are all communities in in different ways actually so our conversation for our earth week has gone full circle daniel we're actually looking at at our earth here that that you've produced yeah, well, not me, but you know, all, all of the living organisms have created it out of out of stuff that we've simply fed them with. Basically, that's that's what we're doing. Yes, um, as, as as wonderful as it is, and that's um, that's a great resource that we can use in the garden. That's fantastic, Daniel. Thanks very much for your time this morning, uh, taking part in our Earth Week. You've told us about some fantastic uh, projects. Thanks for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for um, joining us. This year, we've all seen the terrible effects of global warming and how it's affecting life on Earth. This November, for the first time ever, community radio stations from across the country are coming together for our Earth Week. Seven days where we shine the spotlight on the climate crisis and celebrate life on our planet. Find out how climate change is affecting your town, city or village and what our streets and communities can do to become more resilient. There'll be lots of conversation, fascinating facts, and even food tastings. And if you want to get even more involved, you can take part in the Our Earth Challenge. With one action to take every day. All this and so much more on Our Earth Week, starting Monday, the 20th of November. Life on Earth is precious. Let's come together to save it. And our Earth Week uh, starts tomorrow, Monday the 20th of November. There is a challenge each day, and I'll, uh, I'll read through uh, very quickly the, uh, the challenges. Uh, tomorrow's challenge uh, is uh, no car day. Try leaving it at home. Tuesdays, uh, don't throw any food away. Uh, Wednesday, uh, 22nd of November, is grow something. I don't think we'll be able to grow something uh, in one day. Uh, but uh, we don't need uh, big gardens. Uh, we can put seeds in pots. Thursdays, uh, eat vegan. Friday is buy nothing day. And uh, make, do and mend. That's a great challenge, isn't it? Uh, next Saturday, uh, check your bank. Uh, I know uh, certain banks are uh, more for the planet than others. Uh, so a uh, bit of research there. And uh, next Sunday, uh, the final one uh, is uh, go zero waste uh, so uh, we've all got uh, uh, used to having uh, bags for life now uh, but it's time to go further so uh, just have a little research have a little think about all of those things uh, i'll be back next sunday uh, for another green matter special at the end of uh, our earth week uh, until then thanks for your company today uh, peter signing off bye for now <laughs>